You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch bad movies and share bad. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the Good luck! Tide goes in, tide goes out. Never miss communication. It's over 9,000! My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. And welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd Do Know Basis Show, airing from Phoenix 92.5 FM and indeed on Spotify and the internet and all those wonderful places. But sure, you know that if you found us. I am Keanu Calicorn and with me tonight is... It's Katie. Woohoo! How Woo-hoo! are you doing? It's Katie. Hi. <laughs> I am doing is how I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so old and confused. Uh, but no, it's wonderful to, to have you on the show now. Sadly, no Dara, no Bryn, no Kev. Uh, they are all missing, presumed okay. Um, Why but... is it that whenever I'm on the show, there's only ever like one other person with me? <laughs> <laughs> Do the others not like me? Do you guys just take turns being it's like, just, oh, it's my turn to talk the to her? in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the, the listeners at home won't be able to appreciate these giant replicas of the other hosts in balloon form. If you get some like squeaky sounds like as we proceed, you'll know what they are. <laughs> but no, we have a lot to cover this week. Um, there's a new Marvel movie and one that's been highly anticipated. We've got some big Doctor Who news that is more or less a week old by the time this goes out, but there's still a lot of people excited about it. And I believe that Katie has a, a pet peeve or like a celebration with a TV. But we'll get into it one at a time and start with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which Ooh. deserves like an extra 10% in Rotten Tomatoes for that title alone. I've seen it. You have not. So before we get into it, we won't do any spoilers unless we absolutely have to because Dara isn't here. Um, I'm, I'm okay with spoily spoilers because like I'm probably going to go see it anyway. Oh, I know, but I, I'm terrified of the notion that like someone uh, driving will like turn on to our like show at like 20 minutes in and not have heard a spoiler warning. And then there's like, and they're dead. Like we'll just air or something like that, you know? That's fair. Yes, <laughs> that is fair. We will try to avoid any um, road rage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness i don't want that on my conscience but uh yes so before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it uh dr strange and the Multiverse of madness is kind of an oddity and perhaps an experiment for marvel in many ways first off it's weird that it's only now we're getting a dr strange sequel considering it's like his seventh appearance in the mcu or something like that oh wow He's- 
Like something, it's something to that effect because he's been in Thor Ragnarok. He's in the two Avengers films after that. He's in Spider-Man. He was in What If? Like, you know, he's been, he's been kind of the new surrogate Iron Man, but he actually hasn't gotten a second film mm. until this point. Like, you know, so it's an oddity in that respect. And it's also an oddity in, I believe you were alluding to this, Katie, before we started recording, in that it actually leans on a lot of established marvel stuff but not in the traditional way there's a lot of wandavision they're setting up some other disney plus shows there's a lot of disney plus in this there's kind of setting up stuff for the future usually these kind of big event marvel things tend to be the culmination of two or three films but this is a slightly different kettle of fish but before we kind of get into the all that what are your impressions from what you've seen in the trailers and what you've heard about dr strange 2 yeah, so, you know, obviously I haven't had the chance to see it yet, um, but just going off the first movie, which I really liked, which was a little bit tricky to watch at times, the new one, kind of, it seems like it's going to be even more of that trickiness, mm. um, just with stuff going upside down and inside out and all that kind of stuff. But I've also heard some kind of disappointing news about it, Um like, like you said, Justin, that it kind of leans heavily on WandaVision, which I just could not force myself to watch for the life of me. Like, I couldn't do it. I watched the first episode and I was done. Um, so, you know, part of me kind of wants to go back and watch WandaVision and a bigger part of me doesn't want to subject myself to that. <laughs> um, but I was really excited for for Dr. Strange. I'm still excited for it. Like, I'm still going to go see it. Um just I'm not sure what to make of it now that's all okay well I wouldn't um I wouldn't like kind of uh color your perception of it too soon like it's uh again we're gonna kind of tiptoe around spoilers but it it doesn't lean too much on WandaVision if Mm. you've basically heard the premise of WandaVision I suspect you'll know what's going on it's basically I mean, it's not really a spoiler to spoil WandaVision at this point, but all you kind of need to know going into uh, Doctor Strange and the something of something is that Wanda created the the Westview thing and had a pretendy family and lost the pretendy family. And I feel like that's kind of relatively common knowledge, even if you didn't watch the show. So I don't really understand where this sort of, like, it's not the most convoluted thing in the world. They do give you all the information in the film to know what's going on, you know? It's kind of, it's even in the trailers and stuff, you know? Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, then I'm, not... I'm caught up then. Yeah, there you go. Congratulations, <laughs> listeners at home. You you should watch WandaVision, but you don't have to if you don't want to. And even that, like, kind of, like, again, it's kind of like the Winter Soldier thing being kind of back in the day being something everyone knew before the film came out, kind of Wanda creating a family and losing her family has been something that's kind of been well known, I would say slightly outside of comic book readers, even before Age of Ultron and stuff. I mean, you're kind of a marvel person, aren't you? Yeah, like I, I would have read a bunch of the, the Avengers comics and stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, basically, my brother used to get them every week and then when he was done with them, he would give them to me. <laughs> Seems fair. I mean, you don't have to buy them. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I had to give them back once I was done with them. But, you know, it meant I got to read them without having to pay for them. There you go. Seems like a fair arrangement to me. Yeah. But, but, uh, yeah, I can see 
I suppose if people didn't enjoy WandaVision and didn't enjoy Wanda as a character, maybe I could see the upset with that. But I don't, I, I consider that to be just a normal Marvel thing at this point. Having a character from one thing and a character in another thing crossing over has kind of been their bread and butter for a long time, you know? Yeah, well, you know, obviously I haven't seen the movie, so I can't mm. really... Um attest to this but apparently one of the complaints of the film was the fact that you know it's a Doctor Strange movie but mm. he's kind of sidelined you know they make him into more of a sidekick um, in favour of Wanda um, I wouldn't say that necessarily um, it's to be honest it's more a vehicle for Doctor Strange and uh, this new character uh, I'm going to look up her surname now but her first name's America and her character name will eventually be Miss Marvel uh-huh. Uh, I suppose we can kind of get into the first few minutes of it, which is basically that our Miss Marvel character, uh, I'm lit- sorry, I'm literally going to a shelf and picking up the book so I can read it. Um, <laughs> our Miss Marvel character is basically, her powers are different from the comics. She can sort of jump through multi-dimensions and stuff. Hmm. Um, and um, something is trying to catch her and like, you know, kind of, uh, steal her powers or kill her or something to that effect and she lands on Doctor Strange's doorstep with a giant squid after her as you do um, and uh, Doctor Strange has to kind of take her through the multiverse to kind of protect her and hide her from the big evil threat of the film uh, so no it's not like I, I like Wanda is in it a lot but it's more of a vehicle for Strange and her Okay, and kind of now, the, I suppose one thing I'm surprised that people aren't complaining about is there aren't that many other dimensions. There's a big montage of him jumping through them. But by and large, you kind of spend your time in three different realities, I'd say. Right. Like, like much less than, say, like the What If series or something like that, you know. Uh, but it's just kind of about the two of them on the run from the big evil thing. And that's where all of the people from the trailer who had like all those surprise cameos and stuff that people know and some that they don't. Uh, so like, that's kind of where it comes in. So as a vehicle for Dr. Strange, it's more about kind of, I don't want to get too deep with it for people who haven't seen it, but like the first scene of the film is him at um, Dr. Christine Palmer's wedding. Like she's getting married to someone else and mm-hmm. someone at the wedding basically going, was there any other way for you to like um, set stop Thanos without making us all disappear for five years. I lost a lot in those five years, all that kind of stuff. And in a film where you're encountering lots of other evil Doctor Stranges, like there is character heft to it. You just kind of have to start digging a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, no, I think, I don't, I don't think it's fair to say it's like, Uh, not a Doctor Strange film because that was actually a concern I had last week when we were talking about Moon Knight I was worried that it would be sort of a big Marvel-y event trailer thing in the guise of a Doctor Strange film and it's not that it's not at all it's a fun film and like it's got so much Sam Raimi stuff have you seen the Evil Dead and all those kind of things oh yes oh yes Oh, it's like the, uh, you talked about memes before. It's like, this is Evil Dead 4 or Army of Darkness 2 in disguise. I have seen that. Yeah, I've seen those memes. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, now, it's still a Marvel 12s movie, but 
I would say they've pushed as far as the stuff Sam Raimi gets away with. They pushed it right up to the line as far as what they can get away with. Like you know, and he like, gets away there's with no gore, but he, like he gets away yeah. with a lot. Like yeah, but like it's like it's. I'll put it this way: it's more intense than the stuff you see in that scene in Spider-Man Two, where the tentacles are like going around and all that kind of stuff. Like heads get imploded like you know limbs fly off there's like all those like kind of crazy camera angles like you know from like the evil dead like mm-hmm. it's kind of like there's like monsters who are like limping after there's like people who are dead talking and it's all done prosthetically like it's not a complete horror it's still an action film but now and again it'll just like jump out at you that the that Sam Raimi's doing it and not Spider-Man Sam Raimi, Evil Dead Sam Raimi. Yeah. And it kind of catches you off guard, you know? Well, I mean, as far as I'm aware, when they first announced that they were working on Doctor Strange 2, they did say it was going to be more of a horror genre than anything else. Mm. I wouldn't say it's... I suppose it's as close to a horror as you can get and still be a family-friendly film. Mm. I, Moon Knight was kind of had the same thing where it kind of flirted with horror ideas yeah kind of reined it in when it kind of went up to the line you know yeah uh, but but yeah there's a lot to enjoy in this film uh most of the things i didn't like were kind of nitpicks and unfortunately they're kind of spoilery nitpicks but yeah it's kind of a dizzying film but there's like lots of fun little sequences to it like without kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of the plot there's like a fight using music notes there's like uh, people flying using ghosts and all this kind of crazy stuff. There's a big kind of cast of characters. Like it's, I regret not seeing it in the IMAX 3D because it would have been fun for that. Uh, it's not quite as kind of visually crazy as the first one, but like there's enough cool kind of set pieces and conceits that it kind of all hangs together. It's again, Army of Darkness. It's a string of mad, crazy sequences that kind of oh i hope no one's breaking in there that uh kind of hangs on a very loose premise but you don't mind because you're kind of having fun and if you i imagine if people have reservations about it it's more about decisions around the characters which are controversial but i'll back a controversial decision if it's an interesting one you know Hmm. yeah that's fair but uh yeah and like there are kind of, to, to put on my kind of nerdy hat, there are kind of remnants of the original Doctor Strange 2 because this was originally supposed to be done by Scott Derrickson who uh, directed Doctor Strange 1. For both Doctor Strange's 1 and 2, he wanted this villain, Nightmare, to be the villain. And first he got overwritten because it was too complicated, fair enough. And then for the second one, he got overwritten because they have this new story involving like all the characters and cameos and stuff. But there is a leftover idea, which is that the idea that if you dream, you are experiencing what someone else in a parallel universe is experiencing. And that's a big hook of the film's conceit. So, like, there's lots of really big ideas in this that are kind of dizzying. And I could see people coming away from this feeling a bit disoriented until the film settles a bit. Not because it's a big cerebral thing but just because there's so much in it. I'd say this one would be kind of stronger on a second viewing, you know? 
Yeah, I'd say you'd, you know, on a second or third viewing, you'd probably catch and pick up a lot of stuff that you missed the first time around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I suppose the biggest takeaway, and we kind of alluded to this before we kind of started talking about the film, was this is the first film where Disney Plus stuff isn't in its own little pocket bubble. It's kind of putting its stake in the films via Wanda. There's a little what if not, because I think when he's flying through the universes, they turn into the animated style of what if like they are setting up Miss Marvel for her own TV show coming out later in the year. Like, how do you feel about the what if stuff blending into the movie stuff? I don't Well, see. I have I still haven't actually seen what if. Oh, I know. But like but in principle, like, you know. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, it seems like with this with this new Doctor Strange and the amount of cameos and stuff that they have going on, that they are kind of trying to, you know, launch another, not quite MCU, but, you know, maybe Disney Plus MCU. Mm. Um, to just, because like you said, they're setting up Miss Marvel and then, you know, they have nods to WandaVision, What If, and then, you know, some of the other uh, cameos that I've heard of that I won't get into for spoilers, mm. Um, it it does just seem like they're kind of trying to not just do new shows, but maybe even rehash some of the older ones. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I would be quite happy with um, if it came to it, all of the Netflix characters just being brought into this universe with their existing continuity, but they just don't get into it, you know, mm-hmm. like in the way that they quickly had Matt Murdock in No Way Home. It's a shame we can't talk about the kind of spoilers because there are, there are cameos from places you wouldn't expect, mm. like weird corners of the, the MCU and not MCU that people wouldn't necessarily value. So I'm I'm impressed that I'm impressed that it kind of has taken everything holistically. Like it's not just cherry picking the most popular things. It's it's treating everything as being equally valid. And uh, we may get into that next week when the film's been out for a little while and kind of people look like the surprises can't be hidden anymore but yeah i'd love to see like kind of for example more of like say they're getting the young avengers together get jessica jones in on that like i mean maybe retry they never did heroes for hire or like the daughters of the dragon they could get a rebooted show hell i mean if we've got moon knight sure have iron fist love him or hate him turn up for one episode and need to be rescued or something you know just little things let's let's just kind of get them all mixing and matching a little bit more yeah and i mean that's that was one of the things that i loved about uh no way home was the fact that they pulled in characters from the other two spider-man franchises so if dr strange is anything like that like count me in because i absolutely loved it yeah it's it's now it's what i would say is that like kind of the way those characters are brought in and integrated it is in the same way not just in movie logic, but in kind of the way it's presented. It is similar to No Way Home and treated with that reverence. But I would say is that those cameos and things, they aren't the culminating thing in the film. Mm. It's more of sort of a fun little divergence in the middle. Now, that's not to say it's not a cameo in the sense they show for two seconds and they're gone. They are characters in the movie that are substantial, but it is sort of a fun entertaining divergence in the middle it's not 
like, I mean, I suppose he's in the trailer anyway, like Professor X doesn't turn up at the start and stay with you till the end of the film, but neither is he there just for three seconds. You know, it's a, it's a nice sweet spot between those two extremes. Yeah, yeah, I get you. It's it's kind of like they, they give them their fair dues, but without it being uh, taking over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, and it's, there is a sense that they're kind of trying to integrate it uh, better in little ways too. Like, there's a little blast of like when Professor X turns up, there's a blast of like that 90s X-Men theme <laughs> the cartoon. The da, 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 da. Oh, what a theme. That thing. Like in the WandaVision bits, they play the music from WandaVision. Like there is the sense that they're kind of trying to pull the strings together, even as they're blasting the universe apart, you know, which I appreciate. My big worry going into this was that uh, Doctor Strange would be kind of a guest player in his own film, you know? Yeah, uh, well, because even just going from the poster, he's kind of in the background of the poster. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you know, but that isn't the case. And it is fun to kind of, uh, I will say flat out that like a lot of people were speculating that like uh, one of the Doctor Stranges could be the one from What If. It isn't. But like, you know, it's still fun to kind of see kind of... Uh, lots of visual spectacle and sort of all this kind of craziness kind of embodied in one film with a very simple premise of Dr. Strange is starting to doubt his own decision-making, you know, that kind of thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very thin premise to tell a very complicated bunch of set pieces, which is, if you're going to do this kind of movie is kind of the perfect way to go. It is, it has a lot of um, no way homes DNA in it, but it's just, like the ratios are changed it's more moody and kind of ridiculous than kind of the spider-man's sort of more earnestness you know yeah and just um just because you mentioned that there's kind of more than one doctor strange in it now i know that there i know of at least one there's like a crazy looking one from the trailer mm. but just tell me does bendy legs cabbage patch play well against himself oh yeah awesome <laughs> oh completely like i mean sure there's there's a i'm sure there's a precedent set for that anyway uh at some point he must have played opposite himself be it in what if or sherlock or something but yeah no 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 and like the different doctor stranges are different like it's mostly kind of three or four but they are different characters so like you know it's it's yeah it, it all works well together you know and um it's yeah i would recommend this film i would it's funny, I'm not sure if I would recommend it to young kids necessarily, but the horror stuff is handled in such a way that, like, you know, if you've never seen gore, it probably won't bother you, you know? Like, it, <laughs> it's, it, more, it's more suggestive than explicit, you know? Is it kind of like original Evil Dead, all the zombies are made of plasticine kind of thing? Yes, actually, there is a fair bit of plasticine. Uh, well, like, again, earlier, at one point, a dead character is talking. And like, it's all done with prosthetics and it looks slightly rubbish, but on purpose, mm. like there is that kind of goofiness to it. Like they do quite often that evil dead thing of like the camera soaring down a corridor after someone like, you know, it's got all that kind of stuff to it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think if you love the kind of evil dead type stuff, you will probably love this. And if you don't know that's in it or that Sam Raimi's directing it, you'll probably just be scared and confused. <laughs> you won't be bored, certainly. To, to be fair, I think even if you know that Sam Raimi has directed something, you still leave scared and confused. 
That's true. That's true. I've never seen the the wonderful world of Oz or whatever his last film was before this, but I'm very glad that this wasn't a sort of Sam Raimi gun for hire thing where he did a by the numbers Marvel film, like kind of the way Spider-Man three got meddled with, even though I don't <laughs> hate that film. No, this is very, it's, it splits the difference between all the Marvel things and letting him have his crazy vision right down to Bruce Campbell is indeed in it. And it's amazing. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love it when he turns up in Marvel films. <laughs> Oh, well, he'll always be the narrator in Spider-Man games for me. Yeah, no, he's he's great. <laughs> he's great. Now, speaking of big news surrounding doctors, are you up on the big Doctor Who news? I um I suppose I'm up to date. I would I wouldn't say that I would have as much information as, you know, hardcore Doctor Who fans, but I I did hear the announcement. Yes. Um sorry if we're spoiling this now for anyone who doesn't know, but uh the 14th Doctor has been announced, uh, Shuti Gatwa, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I did check a few interviews just to make sure, but so Shuti Gatwa has been announced as the new Doctor Who. Uh, he will be kind of working with Russell T. Davies, who's coming back. He was the head writer on the Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant years. Uh, and like he'll be doing his like, you know, three second appearance that gets everyone excited when Jodie Whittaker regenerates in August. Uh, thing of no- there's quite a lot to note, even though like you know there's nothing to know yet. Uh, first off, he is seemingly the youngest actor to ever play the Doctor, which uh, claiming that out from under Matt Smith. Uh, he is also the first uh, black actor to play the Doctor, apart from like kind of at least in a recurring capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's and like yeah, it's just. And I don't mean this as like a, a, a diss against him or anything, but relative to the other modern actors, he has kind of the shortest body of work because of his age. You know, like kind of like when Matt Smith and like David Tennant became the doctor, there was like seven or eight shows where they had kind of substantial like acting work done that you could kind of go and watch on YouTube and kind of piece together. Largely, um, Shuji Gatwa's kind of main thing is being in the Netflix comedy Sex Education. So, like, it's very, it's very strange. This has been, like, first off, it's the longest distance between announcing a Doctor was leaving and announcing the next Doctor ever. I think it was summer of last year that they said that Jodie Whittaker was leaving, and we're now in the middle of May. So, almost a year of speculation. And now it's relatively unknown actor but everyone's very excited about it and only this kind of one piece of kind of not one piece of television lots of acting work but one major piece that everyone's aware of for people to kind of dig through and kind of speculate and all that kind of stuff like I mean I know you're not the biggest into the Doctor Who but do you have any thoughts on kind of where this is going like yeah, I kind of I kind of think that it's good that they've gone with more of a, a not as well known name mm-hmm. um, and even someone who wouldn't have as much work behind them purely just because, first of all, he's not going to have like as many bad habits as someone who's been kind of working in the industry for years. But as well as that, it's it's a good chance for him to like, you know, grow as an actor and find his feet and that that kind of thing. So I think it's and do you know what, to be fair we're kind of overdue for a bit of diversity in Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, like I would say we're well overdue for diversity, but 
yeah, I'm kind of I'm definitely interested to see what he can do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like it's um it's a strange thing because like um now obviously the character of the doctor, like literally you could have any pick of any actor more or less. Obviously, there are some actors who won't want to do it because it's nine months of the year sitting in a quarry in Wales, and that's <laughs> perfectly fine. But still, like kind of Russell T. Davies, like literally the last thing he did was the show It's a Sin, which I've raved about on this um, podcast before, like, you know, which is like, you know, had a hugely talented cast of like young actors in their mid to late 20s. And like, you know, everyone kind of loves them and all that kind of stuff. So the fact that he has all that power and chose a relatively unknown actor it, it it sends a big signal, if you know what I mean, like that there is something special to this. Yeah, well, that that that's it as well. Like when they when they choose someone that wouldn't have as much experience or as many credits behind them, it, it's kind of because, you know, they're the best person for the job currently. Yeah. Um. So obviously he did something, you know, in his audition or however they they chose him that wowed them that they said, yeah, this is the person we want to play the doctor next. Yeah, exactly. And apparently he was the last person to be seen. So it it was like kind of a like a last minute thing. Now I'm just going by interviews I've seen because again, when a doctor's announced, there's so little to know on purpose that you just have to extrapolate meaning from every comma of every interview, like you know. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I do agree with the sort of the diversity thing. Doctor Who, it's a Doctor Who's a weird one. It's it's got its roots in a huge amount of diversity like you know one of the first female producers kind of uh was running the show and like you know the first episode was directed by a man of indian descent and like there's kind of and he and he was gay as well and like there's all this kind of even in the kind of dna of doctor who there's a lot of kind of diverse modern ideas and but usually that's kind of embodied through the companion characters especially in Jodie Whittaker's era which was very I'm try, I love it and I'm trying to think of the kindest word to say it but it's very kind of wearing its heart on its sleeve as far mm-hmm. as liberal stuff goes like Rosa Parks turns up in the third episode you know it's not subtle about that kind of stuff yeah but yeah we it's but yeah it is about time that like you know a non-white actor played the role and like that they just kind of sort of delivered on the ethos they espoused a little bit more um now that said like you know once Whitaker was in the role the fact that she was a woman was relatively incidental to her character and if they want to play it that way that's totally fine but I'm very very interested to see where it's going especially because just having binged um sex education there's there's very little you could extrapolate from that as to what the doctor could be by virtue of it being a sort of a, a sex comedy set in a pretendy high school. You know, there's like, 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 I mean, I know David Tennant was Casanova before he was, the, but like, at least then you could sort of get the swagger off him and kind of extrapolate a few things. Like, have you seen this? Like the uh, sex education, I mean. I haven't. No, I haven't. I've okay. heard good things though. It is so funny. I don't even like those kind of comedies. And it's so funny. And like, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's very strange. And I can, and I can tell that everyone's very excited, but also that like, no one quite knows what to make of it. 
But like, even though the casting of a good actor isn't necessarily intended to sort of send a message, it sort of does so whether it wants to or not. Like you love the Christopher Eccleston stuff, don't you? Oh yeah. Eccleston is, is for me, that's peak doctor. Mm, For many of us. Yeah, me too. Like, you know, and like, the casting of Eccleston, because uh, I was rereading um, his biography recently, was like it sent a message that, like, you know, Doctor Who isn't being brought back to just sort of keep people interested until Strictly Don't Come Dancing comes on. Like, you know, it's actually we've got a big, serious, award winning actor in this. Like, this is proper drama, you know. Mm. And uh, the casting of, like, you know, Peter Capaldi sent a message in another way because, like, you know, he's an established actor, big Doctor Who nerd. That's what his era was. Casting of Jodie Whittaker, same thing. So, I mean, what can you extrapolate from the casting of this actor now at this point in the show's history? Like, is there anything to kind of read into it, you know? I don't think so. And I think that's what they were going for. I think what they want to do is they kind of want to play a blinder. Um, they want people to not know what to expect. Um, because like you said, you know, a lot of the other doctors were established actors. People kind of know their skill levels, what they can do, what they've done in the past. And so there was a level of expectation. Whereas with this, you're, you don't know what to expect. So, you know, are you going to get your hopes up or are you going to, you know, go into it open-minded and, and be pleasantly surprised? Like it's, I I think it's kind of clever. Like they're keeping the fans on their toes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, and like, because I mean, I'm ashamed to say, like, I think a lot of Doctor Who fans do this thing where like when a new actor is announced, they'll go back and they'll watch the most popular thing they were in and try and sort of interpret what the Doctor will be, even though that isn't realistic because actors are actors, you know? Yeah, and the Uh, Doctor is a completely separate character. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you could watch Broadchurch or like Attack the Block or Black Mirror and see Jodie Whittaker at all of them and you'd be no the wiser about what her Doctor was going to be. Yeah. Maybe a little bit with, did you ever see Peter Capaldi in the thick of it? Yes, but even then, only because his doctor was a bit grumpy. He wasn't like using terms like omnishambles, you know, <laughs> just angry Scott in a very broad sense, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited for this and I'm glad that other people are excited for it. I I feel bad for this era of Doctor Who, which, you know, I have genuinely enjoyed, you know, yeah. uh, that kind of this new way it's always bittersweet when everyone gets excited for the new thing when the old thing isn't done yet it's part of doctor who's history but it's especially bittersweet with this one because a lot of people have not enjoyed this one and they just want it gone and i feel so bad that that's being kind of left at the feet of certain people like you know and like russell t davies is coming back and that sends a signal like it's a bit like, you know, bringing back the old cast of Star Wars to fix it up, that kind of thing. It sends that vibe. If yeah, you I just, uh, that, that's actually what I was going to say is I just hope that the fans don't kind of go into it the way they did when Jodie Whittaker was announced because there was a lot of backlash and complaints and, you know, just people being really nasty about it. And I, I genuinely hope that doesn't happen this time around, because I think that, you know, the fact that he was chosen for obviously he's the best person for the job currently. 
and I hope that people give him a chance. Yeah, yeah, completely. Like you know, and um, it's I I tend to avoid uh, chat rooms and kind of Facebook groups and that kind of stuff because, like, I mean, now having said that, the Doctor Who fandom not to play favorites, but it does seem relatively more wholesome than the likes of a Star Wars kind of fandom where there's a lot of toxicity there. Oh, but... the Star Wars fans are awful. It's great. <laughs> not not anyone who's listening, not you listening, but... <laughs> no, no, but everybody, everyone. I mean, even if we had Dara right now, we could get him going on a rant. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think, I think Doctor Who's kind of built to withstand that because it's kind of designed to change every couple of years. Yeah. It's even, even bringing back Russell T. Davies is the biggest, strangest move of retroactiveness ever. Um, Like, in terms of that, usually it's always new, it's always this. But even then, he's coming back to it after like 20 years. So, like, the way but he I- writes now is different from the way he wrote then. I think with Doctor Who as well, like as a, as opposed to Star Wars, like Star Wars takes itself very seriously, whereas Doctor Who kind of has an element of silliness. You mm. know, it, it's whimsical and it's it's sometimes magical and it's like it doesn't take itself too seriously. Oh, yeah, completely. Like, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm big on the on the audio plays they produce. And I listened to one just before hopping on this and it's Christopher Eccleston back as the Doctor stuck fighting a ghost in a haunted train station you know <laughs> even even played dramatically that is inherently goofy the one before that he was up against a haunted lighthouse you know like it's just like there is even when it kind of goes dramatic it's still it's got that kind of campy feel to it you know yeah and it's it's part of the charm is the campiness and then also the fact that like you know the special effects are kind of goofy and the sound effects are zany and like you know, if they wanted to put more of a, a budget into that kind of stuff, they definitely could. Like, they have the backing. It's just, it's part of the charm that it's kind of goofy and, you know, in places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, will you tune in when the, the new Doctor turns up? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. Like, I'm not big on Doctor Who. I Like I said, I did enjoy Eccleston and there were a few moments with Tennant. Um, oh, you, I you got off the bus properly early then. I did, yeah, and it, it it wasn't necessarily that I wasn't enjoying it. I just kind of, it was a lot to keep up with, you know? Well, that's kind of the nice thing about Doctor Who as well. It's like, it's kind of designed to change, and if there's an era you don't like, you can kind of hop off the bus, and yeah. like maybe you'll come back in a few years, and maybe you'll go back to that stuff you missed. It's not like kind of a Star Trek or a Star Wars where you have to kind of keep up with the story or it leaves you behind that yeah, kind of thing ex- you know exactly and like I remember there was a few years ago I think I did watch an episode or two in the Matt Smith era mm. and I just could not get into it like now he is a good actor but he I just didn't like him as the doctor you know okay well like what well, like what was it that did appeal to you like I, I think he was a bit too childish yeah, well, he's kind of, he, he's meant to be like uh, Doctor Who as Peter Pan, you know? Yeah, that was that was the vibe I was getting. But for me, it was like going from kind of Eccleston to that was just a bit jarring. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can totally see that now. It's very like, um, like Christopher Eccleston, again, the casting, whether it means to or not, it sends a message. And the casting of Eccleston, lots of Planet 7 North sends one message 
and the cat and you know even though i dresses him the casting of matt smith dressed as like you know a sort of art student professor type with elbow patches on him sends another message yeah and they're both perfectly valid but their messages nonetheless you know yeah exactly and like yeah obviously everyone has their favorite doctor you know you see people at comic-con dressing up as their favorite doctor and you know there's the guy with the with the long scarf and the curly hair and you know like just people prefer different things and i think that's one of the nice things about the doctor like you said if there's an error that you don't like you can just kind of jump around and find one that you do yeah exactly i mean lord knows there's there's enough of it yeah like, <laughs> yeah there's a relatively... lot of it what did you that say? This be accessible as well. Yeah. What What is it? When we're on the fourteenth Doctor that's been announced. Not Not including the two spin-off ones, uh, by John Hurt and Joe Martin. Not oh. including the non-canon ones like Peter Cushing and Richard E. Grant. Not including all the other ones that exist, but also don't like you know. It's been around a long time. There have been uh, okay, more Doctors so like... than there have been actors <laughs> who played captains on Star Trek. You know. So like twenty odd Doctors. Something like that. If you if you include like the likes of Rowan Atkinson who played him for a comedy sketch, that kind of stuff, you know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Like if you do a bit of shopping around, you're bound to find one at least one that you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So thank you very much for kind of. I mean, again, I feel bad, Katie, because we're talking about things you have no particular connection to. Uh, would you rather talk about the Eurovision or your brand new television? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't mind. No, I'm I'm just I was yeah, I was being kind of a a, a tech nerd there. Uh I think it was last week. Time is immaterial at this point. <laughs> um no, so basically in a in a nutshell, I won't spend too long on it. Um we got a new TV last week. And our to put it into context, our old TV was about almost 15 years old. So okay. it was, you know, one of the old plasma screen TVs. It was very heavy um, and it finally gave up. Apparently, I broke it by plugging my switch into it. <laughs> so it just it, uh, it, it you know, it, it served. A, it had a good life. Um, but we went and got a new one. And, you know, TVs are smart now. So it basically does everything for you, you know, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I get you. And like, because um, I've recently moved into a new place and we got like a smart TV for the first time. We kind of had a mid smart TV where like in the old house where the features were there, but they didn't quite work yet. Mm -hmm. A bit like computers in the 90s. It's kind of like, like, like it does screen mirroring, but only with a phone that doesn't exist anymore. Or like... <laughs> You know, it'll do Netflix, but for some reason the TV has like memory storage. And if you watch three programs, it crashes and you have to dump the memory again. Like, like again, kind of like not really finished tech. So how yeah. are you finding kind of working for like, you know, I, I'm still getting my head around. How are you finding working with a TV that is cleverer than most people? I actually think it's great. Um, Like because I was the one who set it up. And before that, what we were doing was because we don't have channels in the house. We don't watch TV. You know, if we want to watch something, we watch Netflix or Disney or Amazon or something like that. But we don't generate like we don't have channels. So what we were doing is we were Chromecasting. Uh, so we were basically using our phones and just casting whatever onto the TV. And that was fine for a while. But, you know, I had to teach my dad how to do it. 
um, because he's in his 70s. And he picked it up fairly quick. But then, you know, the TV just it just it didn't handle it very well. It was an old TV. Um, And so now this new one, you know, it has like on the remote control, it has Netflix built in. It has Disney built in and Amazon and a couple of other things that, you know, that we don't have. But it also has this function of like. um, It's almost like a computer mouse. It's like a wireless computer mouse where you can literally point the remote at the TV and like a little cursor pops up and you can click on things. And it's just, to me, that is bizarre because it's a TV, but it's not. Yeah, and, but- I, and I should stress now for like anyone who may be listening, we're not advertising a particular TV, nor are we advertising a particular shop. We no. are two, we are two 20 to 30 somethings with the mental age of like 120 year olds. Yeah. We no, are baffled I- by TVs that can do things that are both convenient and in my case, terrifying. I just yeah. want to stress that. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just amazed that like TVs are smartphones now. But see, I find that a bit stressful. I'm grateful to have it, but like the Chromecasting, like, you know, it's kind of like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You sort of have to reboot the TV. And I'm still kind of on that learning curve where I'm like waving a phone near the TV <laughs> in the hopes that it will work. I have you know, a toddler you know it, looking at me saying, Dada, you're doing it wrong. And you like, know it runs through Wi-Fi, right? Yeah, but like <laughs> the like the TV, it's so clever that it doesn't tell you how it works. Yeah. <laughs> and like you sort of like you go to find Chromecast and you hit the Chromecast button and it does nothing. And you're like, well, it must be doing something. Am I have I lost it? And then you find yourself going through like settings, menus and aspect ratio things on a TV. I will eventually get my head around it. But at the moment, I'm longing for you could plug a thing into another thing and you're reasonably sure it would get from A to B. If it's up in the air and I can't see it, I can't help it. (laughs) It's like um, Willy Wonka, you know, where they take the picture of the chocolate bar and then it's in the airwaves. up there in a million pieces <laughs> <laughs> oh my my youtube video of of spider-man and mario kart it's 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 coming oh it's much smaller on the tv how did that happen <laughs> oh no i am just so excited for everyone to leave the house and then i'm gonna get like animal crossing up on that bad boy <laughs> you know i want i want to see animal crossing you know ultra hd in 65 inches and just oh that's gonna be a great day for everyone (laughs) (laughs) and hopefully it won't break the tv like apparently it did the last one oh my goodness see i mean we had you over to the house and you were like amazed that the remote had a netflix button on it didn't you i know yeah to me that's like witchcraft hmm that's like, just like because I even I'm sitting here now in my room and I have a, a Sam is it a Samsung I don't know maybe yeah it's a Samsung um but I've had it for like 10 years so it's not a smart tv so the remote looks normal to me you know whereas the new ones they they just it's like witchcraft that's what, that's the only way I can describe <laughs> it you know a wizard did it you're you're just like in your back garden, like you know, kind of like burning it, like tying it to a stake, <laughs> dancing around it. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you highlighted a point there that um, 
TVs are now smartphones. And I and as the parent of a very precocious three-year-old, I find that rather alarming because like if YouTube is on it, and I know this is like it's been existing for years, but like if YouTube is on smart TVs and readily accessible, you can't quite monitor what's on a TV compared to like if it's just streaming service or a terrestrial channels, that kind of stuff. Like quite a lot, like I'm not sure if other parents are out there listening to this, but like one rabbit hole that uh, my kid falls down is people playing with Paw Patrol toys on YouTube as content. Like, you know, unboxing, opening things, reenacting things with little teddies, whatever, that kind of stuff. And we've kind of fallen down the rabbit hole of like, either religious or politically themed YouTube channels that Hmm. put up these videos of people playing with Paw Patrol toys and then put like a thing about the Lord Jesus Christ in the last minute of it. Oh, and hope you don't notice to kind of draw the children in exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to name the the particular channel for like reasons I don't want anyone after me, but yeah, it has happened. And I was kind of trying to convey this to my fiance about how alarming it was. And uh, she's she kind of like agreed in principle but didn't really mind too much. And then one day she found uh, my daughter singing the song at the end from memory including the word sinner and it's like oh, oh yeah oh, it's... that's that's not that's not that's not okay we do we just came here for for chase you know chasing it's, a ball like you know it's kind of like a modern day c.s lewis well in what sense well uh in the sense that he you know he basically wrote the chronicles of narnia as a way to convert children to christianity oh that's news to me yeah. Oh, you didn't know that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not up on my C.S. Lewis, tragically. Yeah. So basically, um, yeah, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. And obviously there's a lot of symbolism in it. But, you know, right at the end of the last book, I think there's, there's either seven or nine books. I can't quite remember. I've read them all anyway. Oh, there's seven books. Um, but basically right at the end of the last book, he all but comes out and says Aslan is actually God. Okay. Um, and there's there's like a whole thing about, you know, some of the children don't come back to Narnia in the end and they say, oh, well, where are they? And there's a whole thing about like, oh, they're not friends of Narnia anymore kind of thing, you know. Um, and it's it's very like overt. But once you get to the end, you're kind of like, whoa, what just happened here? Mm. And okay. appara- apparently that was a sticking point because he was so C.S. Lewis was good friends with Lewis Carroll. Right. Um, who wrote, you know, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And apparently that was a sticking point between the two of them was that Lewis Carroll didn't think it was, you know, fair or good to kind of trick children into Christianity. Mm. Um, but that that's just kind of, that's the vibes I get from that, you know, where they say, oh yeah, it's a Paw Patrol video. And, and then in the end of it, they're like singing hymns. Yeah, I mean, like the the... the... The, that example is kind of a lot more cryptic and cerebral. Uh, it's, but yeah, it is, but it is insidious. Like, you know, it's kind of like, because like we will be, we all have YouTube on our phones and stuff. What you yeah. see is the thumbnail of the video and the title of the video. You do not see the tiny channel name that is, yeah. on, especially not a toddler who will, will just not actively click it but will kind of like let one roll into the other and into the other. And 
like not to be shallow, but the whole reason she's watching it is to give the parents a break. So the parents aren't watching it with them. Yeah. Just sorry, I didn't mean to turn this episode into like a public service announcement. <laughs> but since you brought up smart TVs, like it has been something that's been on my mind quite a lot recently. Yeah. And just just for anyone listening out there, we're we are in no way prejudiced against you know any religious affiliation at all yeah yeah completely um, or political or whatever what yeah what, what we what we take issue with is people is children particularly being led into content that they did not seek out under and false maybe pretenses. sending messages that they aren't capable of understanding yeah under like, the guise of something else yeah just just be upfront like if you want to convert people to your religion just be upfront and honest mm. about it yeah, if you can find the connection between Paw Patrol and your political religion, whatever, and like that's what the video is about, sure. I mean, I guess. I mean, like I was talking to other parents as well, and that was a big thing with uh, Momo a few years ago, where you'd have a harmless kids thing, and then like all these screams and horrible noises would come out, and it's kind of like like the new Rick rolling, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a big nightmare kind of protecting children from the internet when it's becoming accessible from so many fronts now in our televisions, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it. It's in your phone. It's in your TV. Hmm. Obviously it's in your computer. It's in your video game consoles. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there's, it's kind of, it'd be difficult to turn any corner and not be, you know, able to access the internet somewhere exactly yeah 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 but yeah it's um um but we'll get on to something more wholesome before the show wraps we have missed while recording this episode we're recording on a thursday night we have unfortunately missed the eurovision semi-final according to twitter ireland did not get in in the uh... tradition of us recently not getting in uh but uh, I'm very excited for the Eurovision just based on some of the kind of little songs I've heard and screenshots. I think I, I am a diehard Eurovision fan. I love it to bits. It's like Christmas for me. Are you <sighs> Eurovision a thing for you? Not really. No. You know, like I said, we don't have channels in my house. But so it's kind of the only time I would ever really see the Eurovision is you know, if someone that I know is kind of having a viewing party or whatever. So the, mm. the last time I actually watched the Eurovision was maybe it was last year. It could have been last. It was last year the one with, um, oh, what's her name? She was one of the hosts. She makeup artist. Nikki oh, that something. could be so many people in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I didn't narrow it down. No, that's, that's last year, the Italian kind of death metal singers won. Yes. And there was a whole thing because people thought that he was doing cocaine. Which the, the, the guy who the, the band oh, yeah, won. Because he leaned in. Yeah. He leaned in the background into the, of a shot into the table. So everyone yeah. thought that he had like snorted something. Yeah. 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 Yes. I, that, that was the one that I saw. Yeah. And it was actually the final that I saw. Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I'm very excited. I have tragically missed the semi-finals because I've just got caught off guard by it this year. But yeah, I'm really, really excited because like Eurovision, it's like it's such a unique thing where it's easy to be cynical about it, but there's 25 acts to get through to the final. There's bound to be three that are either sound good enough or are bonkers enough that you'll just fall for them. 
I yeah. love that they let so many crazy acts through. I really enjoy that. Oh, it's it's the bread and butter. Like, you know, I mean, like, I can't think of another place in entertainment where every nation is encouraged to present their weirdest thing about themselves proudly and have us all kind of celebrate it. I mean, I know there's kind of nastiness to it and like, as is inevitable with anything, but there is something incredibly wholesome to Eurovision, I feel. Yeah, it's it's like the one time that countries can kind of let their freak flags fly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, it's like we need more stuff like that. You know, it's like like even streaming services can only be accessed in certain countries. You know, we're, we're getting increasingly divided. Let's let all the weirdos hang out together. And I hope that the UK doesn't get zero again because that felt very petty. Oh, that that was hilarious last year. I'm sorry. I that was like I got so much enjoyment from it because <laughs> it was like they were going out of their way to give the UK zeros. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no! I mean, fair play to your man, the singer. He was a good sport. I I would have just left, and he <laughs> and he stayed the night. And you know what? You can't take that away from him. Like yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, if it was if that was me as well and I'm sitting there and, you know, sang your heart out or whatever, you get absolutely no points from anyone. I'd just be like, well, I'm here, going to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what those Italian singers are up to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually, because, you know, generally people win the Eurovision and then they kind of go back to their countries and they I, I i'm guessing they do very well there no no i mean well we're um, going to see them tomorrow they're going to perform it's it's a, it's a tradition that the previous winner opens the next one and the host country is the previous winner so we'll see them oh we'll just, cool okay good like, you know kind of i'm interested to see what the career of like uh eurovision people are unfortunately we can't get into that because we are just at time yeah but uh <laughs> Not even time for plugs, unfortunately. But uh, Katie, I want to thank you for a very strange, relaxed episode. I yeah. think I think the fact that none of the guys were here meant that there were no weird tangences into like video games from the nineties or something. <laughs> it was it was it, it. This felt rather uh, civil, we'll say. Civil and structured. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Normal, normal format resumes next week. Yes. <laughs> Tune in for future craziness. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So I've been Kian. And I'm Katie. And I apologize to Dara while he edits this. <laughs> and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. She says I'm not all right, so you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nairthnomedia.com or Phoenix 92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Media everywhere. Media on Twitter. Media Instagram. Media on Twitch. Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Hey, Dara, what are you doing over there in Ireland? Like with the freaking leprechauns and everything. That's not cool. You should be over there with the God players. At least then you could, like, I don't know, pretend like you got, I don't know, some kind of thing going on. Yeah, with ya. You give me a Brooklyn raise. Yeah, with ya. Dick, Dara. Dara?
Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 